This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, well, buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turned to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and music, focusing on the career, the legacy of one band known as the War on Drugs. To hash it out, of course, I am again joined by one of our executive contributors. That's right. The one, the only, the only drug you will ever need, and that is Mr. St. Augustus Leopold Theodore, or the Buck. Welcome, Buck. Thank you. I I, I need to get something off my chest. Okay, tell, give it to us. So so you you Throw know it at I, me I, already. I, I'm in I'm in suburbia now. Okay. Ooh. Okay. I'm, I'm he's know, big time. As, as I'm I'm currently you know watching the suburban clones do their death march, dragging their kids on the walk. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I live in a very active area, but yeah, uh, yeah, I went to I I I, uh, I figured out last night that I I chose the wrong career path. Okay, what is it? Uh, actual. So I I went to one of these suburban bars and I figured Ooh. out that Where, um, where's this going? Okay, if you if you want a decent job okay. and you want ladies in their uh, late forties to mid fifties to just throw themselves on you. Okay, I'm listening. Be an 80s cover band. I ooh, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. that's a perfect segue into our topic for today, the war on drugs because yeah. let me let me bring it around circle. Let me do what I nobody does. I cannot believe this thing. I mean, they are just <laughs> I I've never seen people go crazy. Throw themselves <laughs> at John Cougar Mellencamp cover on a on on an unsuspecting like bassist in his mid twenties that's probably the son of one of the guys in the band that no kind of got dragged there. Yeah, okay. he he poor dude. <laughs> well, you're gonna love this segue then because if if you Buck or anybody listening, was Mike's hard lemonade flying everywhere. <laughs> If anybody was wondering where straightforward songwriting of the 80s went, so 80s rock specifically, and to a lesser extent, uh, 90s alternative rock, look no further than the war on drugs. The band, that is, not the political movement. Let's 
not to confuse anything here with today's podcast. Now, this is another perfect example of the long list. Oh, my God. The long list of people, artists, bands, what have you, that deserve so much more recognition. Another band that, Jesus Christ, Buck, needs to be world famous on the highest echelon of fame. I mean, these guys have a fucking Grammy, for God's sake. They do. And uh, I'm surprised at how many people have no idea of their of their legacy and what they've really brought uh, to the music scene today. And that's why we're talking about them today, of course. And more importantly, the, the main thesis is Jesus Christ. As I went through the full discography time and time again for this episode and did my research, these guys, and more importantly, the leader of the band, and we'll get into that in the background section, had such a vision for a sound. And mm. throughout their evolution, aimed to perfect it. But before we can really discuss, you know, we need a little background. So the band formed in 2005. The current lineup consists of band leader Adam Graduciel on lead guitar and vocals, David Hartley on bass, Robbie Bennett on keys, Charlie Hall on drums, John Natchez on sax, who also key, who also assists with keys, and Anthony Lamarca on rhythm guitar. It was interesting to find out that Adam originally found the ba- band with longtime collaborator Kurt Vile. I'm actually a pretty big Kurt Vile fan too. How about I you, Buck? I know that. I yeah. I this is yeah. I well, like we do Kurt the show, Vile man. As well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's educational, not just for you. It's also for me. Yeah, yeah. And and for me, I, I feel like I learn a lot from you, Buck. And yeah. um, Jesus, uh, Adam. So Adam Graduciel and Kurt Vile are very much cut from the same cloth, my man. Uh, we probably are going to do an episode or maybe a quick cut on Kurt Vile one of these days. But uh, bef- if, if anybody listening wants to get into Mr. Vile, 2013, Waking on a Pretty Days is my chief recommendation for this particular artist. Yeah, I'd now say that's, the, that's mine as well. Okay, good, good. We're on the same page. Not, not to just butt in there, but no, yeah, no, no. Think, please, butt. I think that's you a know, good. You entry. know, I like that butt. That was that was basically <laughs> my first uh, introduction to Kurt Vile. Introduction to Mister Vile. He's and he's great. And a lot of people don't know this, but they were uh, not only collaborators. Kurt Vile played guitar on the very first "The War on Drugs" album, and uh, before he went solo to do his own career and set of projects and that's how we have things like 2013's waking on a pretty on a pretty days and uh they would actually perform they would actually participate and perform in each of the other's projects throughout their careers before they really kind of got on their own feet started finding success and could 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 move on with other musicians and form their own band uh kurt vile's band is called the violators and of course, Adams is the war on drugs. And this is where we start um, talking about the art, the discussion section. And the best way to do that is talking about each of the pieces one by one and go from top to bottom. But before we go into that, I do want to uh, get a, a little love out to our sponsor. So before we hash it out, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you today by novel The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness in our past, present, and future relationships with technology. You can find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. Your support really helps us. Now back to the show. So the very first thing that we heard from the War on Drugs was Barrel of Batteries EP, an extended play that actually now... 
What do we usually see, Buck, when we see EPs? We usually see standalone works that really don't work their way into the LPs, right? But if you did your homework, you learned that there was an, a clear evolution from the very beginning, not only a vision of a sound, but they would rework songs and put it into their LPs. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, I did. Um, another band that does this, <laughs> that we bring up a lot on the show, is uh, Radiohead. That was the first thing. Actually, kind of you me. know, when I was thinking about comparisons, I, I thought Radiohead was a bad comparison because usually mm. when I hear an EP or a, or a, or a single, the B-sides, they're usually standalone tracks that are either in between their session work for albums. It's not yeah. a... I, I could think of, you know, obviously Kid A and Amnesiac, they both had um, Morning Bell, is that the track? They had two different yeah. versions of the exact same song. But this was the exact same song that was essentially just re-recorded for LPs later into uh, okay. their later so, into their discography. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think with Radiohead, what they do is they um, they go through like several iterations of a song, um, especially mm-hmm. with oh some yeah, of their live. They're songs. meticulous like, editors, right? Yeah. Oh gosh, to to a point where it drives a lot of people nuts. I I once <laughs> was told by somebody that they hated Radiohead because they were too overproduced. And I could not argue with them that they're overproduced because I, I think they do that a little. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. The, so, I, I think that's actually a good segue to talk about the yeah. early days of the war on drugs because their sound was gritty, right? That, it was that garage rock band sound. Dark, kind of reminded gritty, me rough. like uh, was a Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, kind of that really okay. gritty kind of sound that you were hearing in the mid to late 2000s a little bit, like some yeah. bands were experiencing experimenting with so yeah i i actually really like the like their their early, early work stuff. yeah well and that's where we need to i'm gonna bounce back to this a lot they had mm-hmm. they had a fully realized sound uh yeah partially because of adam and he's the a lot of these albums could arguably be called solo albums almost like a nine inch nails a la nine inch sure. nails to Trent yeah. Reznor. Uh, and I feel like we need to break it down in terms of the sound of the music to really have the listeners understand. So this is still to this day, even though they've broken through in a lot of different successful lanes, uh, they're still considered considered indie rock, for lack of a better word. Uh, sometimes they're considered Heartland, Americana, uh, and often uh, neo-psychedelia, psychedelic rock. And I would argue that to me, they're more like a neo or post alternative with yeah. touches of 80s uh, straightforward rock uh, like Bruce Springsteen, things like that. With uh, Especially with the early work, there's a lot of touches of folk. And part of the reason that Adam and Kurt Vile were, were so close and bonded and they're, they're, <laughs> they're often talked about as, you know, uh, uh, besties even to this day is they bonded first on Bob Dylan. And you hear... That style Yay. of singing, yeah, Bob singing Dylan's love. style of singing, literally everywhere in these beginning, the War on Drug albums. War on yeah. Drugs. Do you want to hear Getting my? You want to hear my Dylan impression? Yeah, yeah let's okay. hear it. Here we go. Oh, oh. That's it. That's the whole. That's thing. it. That's it. That's, just, I just do like I just it's, do. It's almost musical. I just no, go. No. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that's it. Here like, comes theater class. <laughs> That's what. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's all. That's yeah. all I do. I just do like two two lines of just sound. 
in a but, world. You know what? It, you, you, one of the funniest <laughs> Dylan corner, things. Yeah. <laughs> one of the funniest Dylan things I heard was uh, remember that Friday song by uh, uh, Black. Uh, it's her last name. You know that it's Friday, Friday. Oh, that no, I yeah. don't know her name, so but I know that song. Did a That's a famous Bob... bad song, right? It's yeah, like the room yeah. Of songs. So terrible song, terrible song. <laughs> we we all remember it. We all want to forget it. It's uh, Friday, Friday. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Jesus yeah, uh, um, but uh, <laughs> somebody did a Bob Dylan recording of it. It was like it was. Oh, I, I oh, could not. Friday. It like, it's Friday. Friday. Yeah. It was, it was That's another fantastic. one kind of like our Quentin Tarantino episode. I feel like if I could it's hard to do it without a reference point. You if know? I heard if I heard him talking or heard him singing, I could do it easier. Yeah. But uh it, you know who did a great good. impression of uh Tarantino that who? I've discovered recently was uh was Norm Macdonald. Oh, I can see that. Because he already kind of has that voice. Yeah. Right? Norm McDonald. <laughs> Norm McDonald, but you know, not known as an impressionist. God rest but, his soul, uh, by the way, when you just yeah, say yeah, rest in peace. He he did some SNL stuff with uh Tarantino and I was I was giggling through the whole little let's video, pull but... it back. Let's pull it back. So yes, a Rebecca lot of those Black. influences. Rebecca Black is her name. Okay. Let's pull Friday. it back. Let's do a Novo pullback. Check it out. It's a banger. <laughs> And it's it's gonna change your life. It's gonna change but let's, your life. Let's pull it back. So after the Barrel of Batteries EP, we we came to their first uh, formal LP, first LP, two thousand eight, yeah. and this is Wagon Wheel Blues. And this was again still a collaboration between Adam and Kurt Vile. And like I said, it was dark, it was gritty, it was rough. It was clearly, or I would call it, arguably folk rock because of those Dylan influences. And but it was still a clear singular vision on a sound, and. It was so nice, so refreshing, especially remember 2008. We didn't still see a ton of this. This was where you we were already kind of used to the sounds of, you know, probably one or two guys or gals, you know, in a studio in front of a computer all day. You could tell that this was a group of musicians in a room in a studio hitting record and playing their songs live. And then, you know, obviously doing post-production stuff Yeah, because uh, they're not afraid to do a lot of things that I think a lot of rock bands and contemporary songwriting is afraid to do and that's uh that's the first thing i notice about the war on drugs is they are not afraid to hang on a groove and what i mean no. by that is they will just not solo like every guitar line bass line drum line will just stay in their pocket and groove just stay and for like 30 to 40, sometimes a full minute. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but in the world of songwriting, remember these songs are what, four to six minutes at a time? That's an eternity to hold on a groove without a chorus or a verse. And they're just playing music. They're just, it could be a bridge, it could be an outro. It's not, see, that's the difference. Jam bands typically change a lot there's a lot of soloing think of fish yeah. think of think of the most think of the grateful dead think of some of the greatest greatest jam bands of all time they are changing there's a lot of dynamics instead of just staying in the pocket and and holding on that groove and i, I felt that was so refreshing as a rock band they they felt like old souls immediately even from the beginning and then listening to every single album to uh the 2021's i don't live here anymore the most recent one was they're still not afraid to hold on a groove, man. And I, I, I just, I, I fucking love that. Right. Yeah. It's especially when bands and, and sometimes I, I think I'm trying to think of an example, but sometimes, you know, when you're listening to a song 
and you really like a certain part of it and you wish it wouldn't end it like they would just kind of continue right a little bit longer like they almost ended it prematurely because they were either trying to just get through it like you said i think a lot of bands they it's almost like when they're creating a song they're trying to get to the finish line rather than just kind of getting into the moment um i wouldn't say that's with every band but you do hear songs like that where yeah you you can tell that they're just trying to get their part done and then move on to the chorus or the next section. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of refreshing when you hear a band that like that, that really gets in to their own kind of little groove. Like you said, yeah, they get into that pocket, they get into that groove and, and this is why they're not afraid to keep going. Right. And, and this is why we see fade outs. Remember, like, I feel like ever since the 2000 hits, you don't see a lot of bands that do fade outs or fade ins to the music, because usually if, if a band is truly in a, in a room, like, you know, performing these instruments live with the, the material that they've rehearsed, uh, sometimes they don't know when to stop. Right. And so they just play they they you know the police and a lot of other famous bands have, did this all the time where they would just keep playing and they didn't really know when to stop like the awkward so, yeah but they knew it was like a perfect take take right it's a lightning in the bottle kind of take and so they're like well we got to keep this but we'll just fade it out into the next I hate track it. i hate it you hate it why i hate fade outs in songs i don't at all Ooh, tell I, me. I, oh, oh my this god is, i hate oh, it oh man please because oh, it's like when it, we disagree. Uh, to me, tell me it, why it's why? okay so to me I this is dri- I this has drove me nuts since I was a okay. kid. Okay. Okay. Or songs that fade out because a I'm like Why? good yeah. well when when are they going to finish? It, it's almost like they couldn't decide when to and they're like, "Well, we'll just fade it out. We don't know how this is going to end. We don't want to end it." I, and then when you hear them live and I'll, then they I'll like let abruptly you go, then I'll go. end in the song, it's like awkward. You know, when you hear a song live that had like on the album was I a see. fade out song, okay. then it's awkward when they end it. Well, smart musicians will uh, write the ending for the live versions. You know, live versions aren't always exactly to a T how they sound in the studio, how, I, I, how you hear them in the studio recordings, you know? I know. I just think it's lazy. Like, they're like, oh, just keep playing. I don't think it's lazy. Out. I think it's storytelling. Remember, this is why mm-hmm. we still have albums and why they're still important. Even though the single did try to take over the EP or the single did try to take over the music market because people have no attention spans anymore and they don't want to just listen to an album from beginning to end it there has it has to be a cohesive statement a cohesive whole a series of songs that work together and sometimes that's why the studio version of of music is never going to be the exact same as the live version and there's a statement in how you want to produce it and how you want each of the chapters a la songs to play out and I get that. Like, you, you know, live music is you play it the way you want. But what I'm saying is I, I want a beginning and I want an end. <laughs> I, don't I, I, I want to know when I, I don't. I, I, I To me, the fade out in the song, when they just fade it out, is a lazy. You don't always way, get that buck. It's a lazy way out. I want you to finish the damn song. I want you to wrap <laughs> it up so I know that you're done wrap with it. And, and, and what I like, particularly in the, an album, when they don't have any gaps between songs. You just go into the same one. I mean, it just flows right into each other. I I love that. Well, different and, strokes for different you know, folks. You know, to each their I, own. I'm just I'm never. Yeah, you're go, you're going to enjoy the fade out. I'm not or fade. We're going to have to. Fr- no, that's even worse. <laughs> oh God! Now I got him heated, guys. He's guys. He's beat red. He's going to punch me. I think. I'm going to reach. All through right, this calm screen. down. 
through have the a, internet. Have an espresso. Have a have a drag. An, just... an espresso drag. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, coffee and cigarettes. They go. They go hand in hand. So let's pull it back. Let's do a no, another Novo pullback into 2010s future weather. Another EP. And um, what I'm starting to see more and more in the evolution of the sound is uh, they have arrangements that aren't afraid to also be a little danceable for a lack of a better word you you know i i always notice my you can buck can see me right now he can make fun of make fun of me if he wants like i i just like my shoulders start to move i start to do the dad dance you do a little you know? dad I do, chair I do, dance. yeah i do a little head nod like i just kind of get into it and we're seeing a little more traditional singing structures too Mm-hmm. More traditional singing stylings. We're starting to move away from the Bob Dylan phase of his singing style and moving into something a little more uh, of his own, if you will. And that's where we're starting to see a lot more harmonica, too, in his solo work and things like that. And most importantly, experimentation with the production. Buck, what do you think of future weather? I think we need more harmonica in music. <laughs> it's it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that cousin we always forget about. It's yeah. That, no, I think a lot of, you know, especially for singer songwriter, you know, where they actually yeah. have that head device piece that, you know, they can just hold, hold it over their shoulders and then <laughs> lean in. I've seen when I've seen Adam uh, do live, uh, like recorded yeah. live uh, takes of his pieces, he'll have that. He'll have the little harmonica thing. The little, uh, like, over his shoulders. It, it looks like a, like a retainer headset thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's no, exactly uh, I, I right. actually, I used to, pl- I play, I dabbled in the harmonica for a while. Okay. Well, uh, maybe, uh, guys, if you're listening, maybe we'll do a special episode, a quick cut of Buck just doing harmonica vocals or har- harmonica solos for us. Yeah. I would like that. Would you do that? Yeah, I, I got to bust it out. I, I haven't I haven't played in like five years, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, do I it, uh, I'd like that. It's like, oh, it's yeah, it's lost art. You know, I, I really we need to we need to bring in a brand new audience. We need that harmonica audience. <laughs> I, and well, and I want the harmonica. It's a little microphone. it's a little niche, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Even better, man. Yeah. Yeah. You see those. I was uh, I, I wanted to. I loved Blues Traveler growing up. When oh, I was a little kid. Fuck yeah. I had and, the uh, me and Buck have had the pleasure of seeing a lot of great acts live. And I actually saw Blues Traveler really? at Lollapalooza 2008. Yeah. They were great. They were great. They were great. They were also were the band and Kingpin. They sounded great. Everything was great. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with this, but it's okay. I can. We'll we'll just keep going. We're doing. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm like, we haven't. We're we're actually being so professional in our shows. We haven't done a lot of corners, but now we're. I I was I was kind of missing them. I'm glad we've been doing a lot of uh, tangent corners today. The the ADD is more tangent corners. No, no, no. We we needed them. We needed. We needed to. yeah, just uh, just play a little more today, and that's that's easy when we're going uh, over the art that is discographies. Now I want I want one lineup. of those I want one of those harmonica headset things. I'm gonna get uh, you know Christmas coming up. I'm gonna get you one. Maybe I'll just walk around with her around town <laughs> and then be like, "Hey, <laughs> you, kids, you want to hear hey, some harmonica? Do your and they're like, don't you use that with like a do guitar? Your, do your Dylan you impersonation." Yeah, but I'm not going to have a guitar. I'm just going to have the around my neck. <laughs> Let's pull it back to Slave Ambience, their second LP of 2011. Now, 
we were seeing their songwriting get smarter, sharper, but the vision of the sound the same. That's what I absolutely love about this band. And I urge anybody that's listening that hasn't gotten into them, do it from front to back. Don't just get into that album that everyone loves right in the middle. Do it from the very beginning and take your time, okay? Because you'll see the goddamn evolution. Actually, here's a fun fact. Okay, as I was listening to this and doing the the research for this episode, I remember actually stopping and and like looking at the track title and being and going. This is when I first realized how much overlap there is from uh, musical output to musical output, and that was with. Uh, and this is a great track title, "Baby Missiles." I looked at. I was looking yeah. at my car's you know track title listing, and I was like, "Baby Missiles." That sounds so familiar. I could have sworn I heard that before did i hear that in a different and sure enough it was in the future weather eps as a as a different recording the exact same song but just a different you know slightly engineered differently different you know different recording it's crazy to see how different it can actually be even though the beats for beats um it is beat for beat the same song but it actually um <laughs> another song with it's a great evolved harmonica. a lot uh baby missiles another song with a great harmonica Solo piece. Solo or I think it's just that they bring it into the harmonies, right? Yeah. And this is actually, this is probably a good uh, time to touch touch on. I made a note about this and people are going to be like, why is he fucking talking about this? Because it's important. And that is the rhythms they like to choose. It's always, it's, I actually had to look up the BPMs. It's always, almost always their, their, their faster songs are between 130 and 190. And then when they do ballads, it's around 90, 93. And he likes his straightforward drum drum lines and bass lines right the rhythm section yeah and it's just you know that any of that so a lot of his songwriting we're, we're starting to see the formula right and and yeah. and what he likes to write and that is um the four on the floor really fast drum groove and then a little bit of atmospheric melodies and counter melodies around it usually with mr harmonica guitar lines rhythm guitar lines things like that and then he, that really gives him the foundation to lay, lay those vocals down and we're starting starting to see an evolution even in his vocals too yeah I, I would say this is the one where like if there's a war on drug sound this is the album where you really start kind of feeling that or hearing it because like you just said mm-hmm. something it's atmospheric. hold on that yeah yeah well i feel like yeah. lost in the dream the the third lp and well, i actually want to do a tangent breakout yeah, that's, that's the breakthrough, breakout. the breakthrough, breakthrough album. And I do want to do a tangent corner on third albums, third LPs. There's something about that third LP. And I already kind of have an idea of why we see this a lot with musicians and bands. But uh, I, I'm curious to hear your your take on it. Before we well, get there, obviously, we still need to talk about Love, A Slave, Ambient. And I, I absolutely love this album, man. Like, they're hitting yeah, their stride. I don't feel like it was the breakthrough album yet no it's, it definitely was not the breakthrough album I, it was they're hitting their stride they're figuring out what they wanted to do and how yeah. to do it more most importantly and, and we've talked about that and we can get more into this with with you know bands and how they've kind of evolved their sound like i i think there's some people that say you know the there's always the cliche where they're like um again with radiohead you used to hear this a lot man they're like, yeah man, yeah, man, I like Radiohead, but their early stuff. I, I'm not really into their new stuff. Like I was a big fan of their early stuff. And you hear that was, people say that with a lot oh, of all bands. the time. And I, I think <laughs> sometimes there is a little bit of truth to that because they're yeah. being a little bit more. Sometimes they're being a little bit more conservative and maybe being a little bit more of kind of a. They're not of 
maybe reaching out or experimenting as much as possible, or maybe that they're just trying to find their sound. And sometimes people just do not like, you know, when things kind of go a little differently than what they had in their mind. So especially Absolutely. if you're, you're with a, a band from the beginning and you love their first album and then they kind of figure out their sound, you definitely could, you, I could see that happening. Um, but I, yeah, like it, it's kind of like you don't ever want to give a band their, their, uh, give them, give them a few kind of tries, I guess. Yeah. And that maybe that's what you're leading to with this, this third album thing. Well, I think gun. you made an excellent point in, in terms of talking about sound because it's important to talk about the fact that everyone has a preference, right? There's yeah. certain types of music that musicians like to play and that's how we develop sounds and i think that's important is for a band essentially almost like they're finding themselves right it's identity yeah. like what is what is the statement we want to say what what is going to make us stand apart from everybody else they have to find that quote-unquote sound actually the um i know this is probably a very cliche example but someone that found their sound was Pink Floyd and they really stayed in their lane almost their entire career. Once they found that sound, you know, uh, probably around animals. I would say it was, it was, well, it was, it was definitely, was before, it, animal? it was, it was before Hold dark on. side. A lot of people, it was probably metal, honestly, M E D D L E metal. Is that um, the one? Yeah. Metal. I actually love metal. Yeah. Uh, not metal metal like you're no metal I, that's something. what i said metal yeah yeah M-E-D-D- no no no. i was correcting L-E-D-D. myself i thought i was oh. it sounded like i was coming off saying metal no med oh i thought you were trying to like no 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 buck buck's perfect what, he's, what? He, he never what is, he never messes up he's i never mess angel. up i am an angel angel sent from heaven that's right everybody <laughs> loves me uh no i, I metal <laughs> metal is one of gosh i could get i could talk about metal the whole time um, I love that album and I discovered mm-hmm. it in college because my, my dad was a huge Floyd fan. So I obviously listened to brick, uh, wish you were here, uh, dark side, all that. Um, oh yeah. Easy, but right? Metal. I don't know. I, I stumbled onto it in college and I was just like, I really like this album. Like echoes at the end. Oh uh, yeah. Ah, oh, ah, oh, give it to me. Echoes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pull it back. Cause so, uh, it's important to talk about the fact that, they were still focused on acoustic instrumentation. You would see little flourishes of the digital, of the thing that we cannot create in the wild, as I like to put it. You know, only a computer can create it. But for a lot of, for for definitely this era, we're seeing still that acoustic instrumentation. And most importantly, we like to talk a little bit about music theory here, is that their music was getting brighter. I don't know if you felt that way, Buck, but the key lines, spe- specifically with the key lines and the use of synth keys to bring, to cut through the mix. You know, people talk about that a lot. How to create music that is balanced in the mix and things, if you really want them to resonate or come to the foreground or the forefront, you have to cut through the mix. And we usually see that with brighter or higher pitched lines. And most importantly, the best way to do this with vocals, and this is, People are very familiar with this, even if they don't know exactly why it's used, is the use of the double vocal take, where they'll do two vocals on top of each other. That's it always cuts through the mix, right? Yeah. And we need that. So yeah, uh, I, I guess I, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I was th- yeah. that was my perplexed um or your perplexed look. I'm yeah. not ignoring you, by the way. I'm I'm looking up Pink Floyd's discography because I want to make sure I get this right. So keep talking. We don't need any dead air. Oh, we don't need dead air. Well, let, let's 
So yeah, I guess when you're when you're talking about bands, the double vocal thing that was I was trying to think of another band that does that really well because whenever I think of double like vocals or something like that, like I, I kind of think a lot of Queen. Um, <laughs> Dave Grohl in the famous oh, double yeah, vocal Dave, yeah. take. Yeah, he does. Double. He does. Dave. He does his. He he layers his double vocal takes so perfectly that a lot of people don't even know. Like they're so tight that yeah. you don't even know that they're double vocals when he sings with Foo Fighters and stuff. And it's like a famous thing he does. The famous double vocal take of Dave Grohl is 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 yeah legendary. I, I think this point in, in production um, analysis things of things of that nature. I did find I, I did make a mistake. We uh, we like to correct ourselves here because we're completely dumbasses with things when we're talking off the cuff. Sometimes it was not. I was thinking of Adam Hart mother because I was I was thinking of that cow image and animals first popped in my head. Hold on, hold on. Because it was Adam Hart mother, then metal, then obscured by clouds, and then Dark Side of the Moon for Pink Floyd's discography. And then after that was Wish You Were Here, and then Animals. Because I was thinking of, of that cow, that cow imagery, and I was like, "Oh, animals!" It's like, no, dummy. Uh, I effed up big time there. Uh, it was Adam Hart Mother that I feel like they were trying. They're finally getting their sound, and um, that was uh, that was actually their fifth LP. <laughs> so not the, yeah, the, not the famous third LP theory that we're about to go into right here. So, yeah, but uh, bands at that time too, like I feel like they spit out albums like. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my God, yes. Like, uh, famously, a, a lot of musicians, when things started to change and people were in the studio longer and albums took longer to make, they the I've always I've seen enough documentaries to know that the older cats would always make fun of the younger kids. Mm -hmm. They would be like, "What are you doing in there? What are you doing yeah. in this fucking studio all day?" Like, they would make an album in one day sometimes. Oh yeah. They would, or, they would and, record and like, an entire album and one. Can you imagine that? That there's level some famous of blues, like classic blues, blues jazz, album, jazz albums, albums are very famous. Are one for that. take, just one guy just playing one songs, take and one nailing take. it and moving on. Yeah, there's that famous one of the guy. Uh, blues. While album. you're thinking, I should say this. Uh, also, during this uh, this era, they weren't shy. They weren't shying away from instrumentals and a lot of, you know, anybody that knows the business side of music knows that all the suits that are like running the, sh you know, the people behind the curtains, running the show, pulling the strings, they hate instrumentals because they don't sell. Right. Uh, they don't and sell, the war, man. The war on drugs. You got to put like, your voice ah, out there. Fuck the chicks it, I still, want it. I just want to write music. So. And that's uh, I think that's uh, we need to lead into the famous third LP. This is where I stumbled upon the war on drugs and that is 2014's lost in the dream and uh this is their breakthrough album in my opinion uh they not only hit their stride things everything was starting to come together the songwriting the musicianship the production the engineering everything that they wanted to create in the vision of their sound that is were coming together buck yeah the look on your so face no, I'm just the, the, well, so, okay. So the first time this, this was also my introduction basically into them. Yeah. Uh, the first time I heard under the pressure, under the pressure, dun, 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 actually dun, it was dun, red eyes. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, red. Was, eye. Oh, that's a good yeah. one too. Red eyes was the dun, first dun, one. Dun, dun, dun. I got the song I, in my head now. So, and, and, and I, I'll preface this preface. Okay. I, I think I have a theory of why they're maybe not as famous as they are shoot but I mean, now i'm curious well, well no like um 
I, I if if we want to kind of wrap this in a bow, I can save it till later. But I, I will say what mm. when I first Maybe. heard their song, I thought <laughs> I thought it was an arcade fire song. Really? Yeah. Why? I I oh I couldn't disagree more. I don't think they. Yeah. Anything so when like I first fire. heard it, I thought, oh, it kind of sounds like an arcade fire kind of thing. Ooh, why? Now I'm very fascinated now. No, that's the first time I heard them, and and it kind of leads me. So War on Drugs, I, I've always you know since then I've always like liked them and I've heard them, but like yeah. uh, like I always listen to their songs. Why I why I think they're not as maybe as big as uh you know because like, arcade fire saying. beat them to it. <laughs> no they're like they're like <laughs> that's that what band when at. you're listening to it and you're like yeah i like that sound but like you never put them in a playlist or um mm. download their music or or buy their their i don't do do people still buy cds i guess i guess it's no just vinyl now. probably not yeah and, and that's i think this is why we we're seeing longer and lo- longer touring legs right i feel like musicians oh, yeah. like this There's... that have bands are like tour forever those that's where you make more bastards and most people exactly and most people uh, a lot of musicians have famously said how much they hate the road they hate you know that's why they it's would grueling, rather have man. like a a residency in vegas or something where they could just like stay in one place and people come to them kind of thing um and this is where we're starting to see we're starting to see a lot of those changes. And um, Adam Graduciel famous went, famously went through a, a level of depression because of the, of the road. And he put, I always, this is my little uh, PSA, you know, seek out help, find help, try to get better and put, put some of that, channel that into the art. You know, I always yeah. say, I've always said that to you, Buck, put it in your art, you know, if you're having a bad day, bad week, bad month, put in the art. And that's part of the reason we have a lot of the themes of Lost in the Dream. But it's it's fascinating to me to study it from a production standpoint, songwriting standpoint, engineering standpoint, because those synth keys, like I was talking about from Slave Ambient, are only getting brighter. They were really starting to cut through the mix. And uh, the music itself was almost prettier in a way mm-hmm. like it, it was you can see that evolution just in what kind of music they wanted to put into their compositions and this is also we're seeing an evolution of how he liked to sing his vocal yeah. approach and this is where he started to get a lot of those comparisons to bruce springsteen you know a la this is why I, in the intro in the thesis statement i kind of said if you're wondering where straightforward 80s rock went look no further than the war on drugs and this is it's no it's no coincidence that we're seeing springsteen comparisons here right yeah it's not something i've thought about and i'll do it for you no i'm i'm thinking right now i i think it is a good comparison um i'm thinking of like some of springsteen's older stuff uh, oh like I'm nebraska for the rise you know i it, uh, you know we all have those musicians that weren't you know, we respect, but we're not in love with. And yeah. Bruce Springsteen is one of those for me. And tell probably Nebraska. I was like, okay, was that the Ryzen song one? I honestly Alone. don't remember all of the. See, I'm not a huge Springsteen guy. So yeah, I, remember, and, I just remember that album being like, okay, I get it. That feeling. Okay. I get well, it. that's kind of how Bruce Springsteen is now. It's like, yeah, I get it. You're 
you're fantastic. Everybody loves you're you. You're fantastic, right? You have you and have a e podcast with Obama now. Okay. Yeah, we get it. You're a big get deal. It. You get okay. it. You're a big deal. You 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 did a Super Bowl halftime show. You didn't know what actually uh Obama's gonna be our next guest on our next show. You didn't know oh, that. Oh really? No, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, we, Bar- we Barry's him. coming on. Yeah, Barry. We booked Barry. We love Barry. I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah. Barry yeah, so. We tried to, you know, we'll probably get Springsteen down the road. Probably. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking we we uh why don't we just reanimate Prince and get him on here? Ooh, ooh. ooh that would have been that could be a touchy about, subject. Yeah, that would be tough. talk about um a guy I would have just loved to hang out with just for Oh like five man. Minutes. I feel like I have a long list of people I would love to just yeah, have a drink with, a cocktail with, a beer with. Uh but let's pull yeah. it back. Uh, so Lost in the Dream was a time when we started to see them do a little more digital manipulation, add in mm. things that you can't create organically or naturally with uh, traditional instrumentation. Uh, standout tracks for me is Under the Pressure, as I already said, Under the Pressure, uh, 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 and Disappearing. Uh, those were some big ones for me. And there was another probably long touring process that they went through before they made their fourth LP and one of my favorite albums of all time. I actually was going pretty close to doing a quick cut episode on just this album, but luckily we decided to do a full career episode about all of the art from beginning to end. Uh, So I'm so happy to talk about A Deeper Understanding. 2017's LP, A Deeper Understanding. To me, perfect album, 10 out of 10. It combines everything from their past into a cohesive whole. And I um, I still, to this day, listen to it. I'll listen to it for a month straight and just, I, I get on these kicks. I can't, I can't listen to anything else. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this one, um, definitely, like when I think of it, especially like with Holding On, mm-hmm. think of like the little, the synthesizer kind of in the background, if that's what mm-hmm. it is. I think that's the song. Yeah, no, it's a good album. Um, I, I'm I'm shocked that this is one of your favorite ones. I I didn't. This know is this definitely and um, I every few years I have a I have like a a running list of albums that have either changed my life or I think are perfect albums, and I I update it every few years. And if I listen, I know when when it it's it needs to go on the list when not only I think it's a perfect album from a completely musicianship standpoint. But uh, if I can't stop listening to it, so oh, well, I raised yes. my hand instead of hitting the the mute button. Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Like in our app, so in post. our app we have like a raise hand button or a mute button, and I was like showing Nova. I was like, <laughs> I got a cough here. What are you talking I, about? We're in I the hit, same room. I, hit, I feel like that's yeah. gonna be an ongoing joke. It's like, what are you talking about? We're in the same yeah. room when you bring something up like that. But uh, I think this is a good this is a good point to talk about his specific guitar work his particular Mm. guitar stylings and and his solo guitar work specifically because um please you know re colon uh, look at strangest thing um and some other there's a lot of great examples of him doing a very specific style of lead guitar and i wanted to talk about this specifically because he always prefers and he writes things that clash right it's never it's almost never in the same key it may be in the same key but um a lot of musicians like to create things that clash and on paper i don't 
think that they always may work, but in practice, they somehow make them work. Hmm. Um, the, the best example of this or comparison that most people will probably know is industrial music sounds that you wouldn't think that they work together, but they do. So Nine Inch Nails yeah. and a lot of like Trent, Redner, Trent Reznor's and Atticus Ross's solo work, they do a lot of industrial sounds that shouldn't really work together and especially guitar lines and leads, but they do. And Adam... Graducial will do full solos like this, do a complete solo of this weird, tense, clashing set of notes. And it still is strangely alluring and attractive. And this is not easy to do, guys. This is so fucking hard to do. Um, Buck, yeah, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, so in the background right now, I'm, I'm listening to the pain. Yeah. Um, I actually, or it's just we, pain, just pain yeah, by itself. Pain. And I'm, I'm trying to, because whenever you describe these things, I, I try to always play this in the background to see, you know, if I can hear, you know, your, what I'm talking your, about, what you're talking about. Like, I can kind of see that. Um, when, when a lot interesting of grit thing. in his solo guitar work. I don't know. I can't, it's, yeah. it's nothing like, and that's, that, that is a, that's a staple of a great guitarist is when they do solo work, it, it is completely original like i can't think of another guitarist that really writes guitar solos like this yeah at I, all so and i lied to you earlier um this song is actually in one of my playlists i just oh god he, he had a playlist the whole time a that the whole had time. a fucking the war on drugs track it. on it uh, this, no. uh speaking of tracks this has my favorite track of their entire discography and i really did try to think what is my favorite song from the war on drugs and course it happened to be for my favorite album the deeper understanding and that song is called thinking of a place and it's the very few times i actually write down lyrics to talk to you guys about so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sing them a little bit for you do a little performance and i'm moving through the dark of a long black night just moving with the moon and the light it shines and i'm thinking of a place and it feels so very real just moving through the dark that shit, it's deep. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitresses. See it through my eyes. Walk me to the water. Hold my hand as something turns to me. Love me every night. Drown me in the water. Hold my hand as something turning to me. I just, I just, there's something, you know, his, his songwriting is getting mature, clearly, is yeah. the point of me doing that. It's getting mature. It's getting deeper. It's it's just rich in songwriting skills, and and the and the music mirrors that. It the whole that's why I think it's a perfect album. Everything is finally came together after he hit that breakthrough album, the third LP. They were like, okay, we know how to, we know exactly what we know to do. And Buck made a good Nor point about this. Yeah, yeah. Buck we, made a good point strength. about this. Is sometimes in an artist's head, they have a vision for something, but when they actually try to make it will it into existence it does not always come out as planned right i mean think I about think that by like, now it got yeah. there like with everything that you do like you have a vision never goes the way you want it to but then you find something right. that works and you you go with it and um you know some people really attach to that a lot like yeah. to a point where their songs all sound the same and then they open they get a huge following of people yeah then they open up their own line of bars named after their most famous song. 
<laughs> and they have uh, tons Uh-oh. of stupid people. We haven't talked about him in a, in a long that time. That follow. I was him actually everywhere. just like the tangent corner. I was like, we haven't talked about Bucks. Uh, I would say arch nemesis. Right? When we were, we were. Uh, can I say this? That we were in a we were in a town together. And we Which saw should, one of no, his. No, no, let's not do towns. I don't okay. want. I don't want. Yeah, evergreen baby, evergreen. Okay. Uh, well, but of course, he's we, talking we about um, the king of the parrot heads, right? I, the, the one that <laughs> shall not be named. <laughs> the one that shall not be named. You know, we can change subjects because, like, again, just like earlier, you know, uh, books getting bright red. I could see a fury on his face. The, the his his blood me. is boiling talking about this artist that. Um, we should probably move on. I'm looking at the time too. We should Cheeseburger move on. in paradise. Who makes a song like that? <laughs> he hates. I his like guts. mine, my family. He hates his guts. We we talk about him from time to time on these shows. We actually, if we didn't talk about him, there was a curse that would have befell upon us, and uh, Buck would have turned into a parrot head. So we had to, you know, we had to talk about him on every episode, or the worst could happen. Right, it's therapy. My therapist said that uh, it's therapy. (laughs) I need to find an outlet for my anger that's constructive um, about a certain artist, and and this is it. This is it. Oh, let me do a little pullback. Um, (laughs) So um, another thing I want to talk about before I move on to 2021's LP. I don't live here anymore. Uh, It um, those those key lines were fascinating because there was. Even though there was uh, dark subject matter, sometimes the music was dark, gritty, as I've talked about, definitely the guitar work. There's something about those bright key lines or just really simple piano figures that always stood out to me. And there was a youthfulness to it in the sound. Like I, I felt like I was a kid again when I would, when I would, you know, music conjures an emotion in you. And mm-hmm. anytime I would hear the the bright key lines from Adam or and company or uh, these simple piano figures. It just made me feel young again, for lack yeah. of a better word. Almost like a kid on a playground, like wee, like I'm on, like I'm on the swing, like da 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 da. And that's a <laughs> that's a that's probably a perfect uh, segue to I don't live here anymore. 2021's LP because, and this is why there's an evolution of a sound is they do something that not a lot of bands do with albums. They start on a ballad. They start with a slow mm-hmm. track. And before they go into the uh, the sound that they have been perfecting their entire goddamn career, and they really have, I, I would like I said, I feel like they perfected it on a deeper understanding. And now they're in their now they're you know they're in their comfort zone. They're in they're in their lane. They're on autopilot. Whatever you want to say. And I don't live here anymore is another fucking hit of great music musicianship you you name it uh we like it uh standout tracks include i don't want to wait i actually i don't know if you felt this way when you heard the the song buck but the drum line kind of sounds like phil collins is in the air tonight <laughs> i was waiting for this it's like trying to find that part here yeah well no just, just, ah, just yeah, start the I, song yeah. i don't i don't want to wait just start the song before they yeah. actually go into the verse in the main part um, it just sounds that, uh, cause it, it's clearly a drum machine. They're digital drums, but it sounds, it sounds a lot like that. Um, the main yeah, yeah, of Phil Collins is in the air tonight. Um, now on the title track, right. Yeah. On the, on the title track, I don't live here anymore. Uh, it features, this is the first time he's ever done this. It features, uh, features, a 
an accompanying Luci- act, Lucius. Lucius. Yeah, Lucius. Lucius. And this is, I actually thought, I'm not f- very familiar with Lucius, so he did a really good job of making me look into this. I thought it was like one person. It's actually a band. And so those harmonies, the female vocals, the harmonies that he uses is uh, two uh, lead vocalists. That's Jess Wolf and Holly Lassine. And um, Adam, if you're listening, I know you're a huge fan. Um <laughs> We need more. <laughs> we need more harmonies like this. I I absolutely love the the uh, the timber of your vocal with the female vocals and those together, almost like a duet, was was great, uh, man. So um, you don't hear a your, lot of on your next LP, anymore. right? Right, exactly. Uh, that's the kind of the joke I was making too. You don't hear a lot of duets anymore, especially if it's a call and response duet, like Sunny and Cher kind of duet, shit like that. Uh, I was I was thinking Islands in the is it. Islands in the stream, yeah, yeah. We, we don't, like we don't really hear like you know, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, <laughs> even though I think Kenny Rogers is dead. But I don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, we don't hear a lot of those anymore, later. and I kind of miss that. You know, yeah, man, those. Were oh yeah, things. no, I, I think uh, I, I'm a sucker for female vocals. Anybody that knows me knows that. If you've been listening to our show, you probably know that. And, and yeah, I like how there is, uh, I like rich harmonies, like fucking. Fleetwood Mac rumors. Give me, oh, give me yeah, all the harmonies. Great... Give me all the fucking harmonies. Uh, yeah, but let's Lindsay... let's talk about I don't live here anymore because I feel like we're going on a huge tangent corner if we talk about um, Fleetwood Mac. The Mac's ADD. Rumors. I told you it's it's it's. I know it's, it's strong today. The force is strong take, with us today. Take my. Uh... What is it? It's okay. Oh. I'll pull it back. So the standouts. Another oh, some more standouts for this album is Old Skin and Occasional Rain. And overall, it's it's. I mean. I, I, we we can beat a dead horse, but we don't have to. It's a solid it's a solid record from beginning to end again. And uh, I would I would say from, I know that. It. Yep, of course they do. Uh, of course I was going to say we, we know what they like. Well, I, like Rolling okay. Stones likes yeah. it. I, I actually I'm pretty sure on Metacritic it, it has a universal acclaim. One of those kind of ratings. So and, I feel like everybody likes it. Critics are always right about everything. <laughs> it is no, subjective, but yeah. uh, they tend Especially to be Especially the Pitchfork outlet. Oh man! Well, we like uh, we like Pitchfork. We're we fans. like Pitchfork, we, but we, I we also tease. roll my hey, eyes. Pitchfork. I know they're I know they're um, they're huge fans too. So uh, if anybody is listening from Pitchfork, guys, we like you. We're we're, we're just kidding. We're teasing. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, we like to tease. We we all know what kind of articles you guys like to write. Yes. Um. Anyways, let's uh, let's bring it home, Buck. Because um, tell tell the good people if they don't already know the war on drugs, why do they got to get into them? Why why are these guys important? They're important because again, they um, it's artistic expression. It's um. You know, when you have a, a, a musician, a guy leading an, an, a project, or if you have a group of people that get together, they do creative things that um, sound different. And you don't have a team of 36 writers and, and 20 producers <laughs> writing exactly. drunken love. Um, so, you know. It, no, hey, wait, I, I like I like that stuff too. But yes, the point no, is, it's not formulaic, the, right? The poor, Even yeah, there's, the, a, there's this, not a, this there's is a, a pure. This is pure art. This is pure right. uh, uh, expression. So when you have bands like this that um, that you know express that 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 vision and and like you were saying, I think it was perfect. This is another band that got you know tried tried some stuff out and then figured out what they wanted to do and what worked, and now they're just doing it and they're just enjoying it and. 
and perfecting it and perfecting like, it yeah and, and that's and, th- and that's why i'm curious i know we're going to see some more output from the war on drugs and i'm curious to see what if they go in a new direction i feel like they've landed on that very special place in a music career and i call it i call it the led zeppelin houses of the holy point in their career (laughs) where they can thanks for giggling they can go anywhere right if they want to make a reggae song called that most people mispronounce called dire maker and it's actually pronounced jamaica if anybody's listening yeah uh listening closely that is uh it's pronounced jamaica um then they can do that the the point is is that they um they have perfected the vision of their sounds and i can't wait to see more and see if they want to completely go 180 or keep pushing the sound i'm excited man oh 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 <laughs> now he's just singing guys so thank you so much for listening you got that song stuck in my head now out i do i'm gonna get it stuck in everybody's head Uh, but uh guys thank you so much for listening we appreciate you but before we go you know we got a little more we got a little icing on the cake a little cherry on top for that sunday with what we call the gym of the week if you're new to us the gym of the week is something we love to talk about something that we're into maybe in the last week maybe the last month um but it's a little more recent in our world but doesn't quite fit into the scheme of the show but we want to give you the love anyways and um i had a hard time figuring out a new one for this week um me and my wife are binging uh you on netflix that was the closest thing i could think of that i'm doing right now uh at this very moment we're still on one and i was um you know you know, me and Buck, uh, we like to do deep dives into everything, even if we don't do a show about it. And I was, I don't even know if you know this, Buck. It's a great show. And it's, it, it started on Lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of all yeah. networks, it started out. I was shocked. I was like, man. What? Well, they remember, had, they that's, had a home that's run. The, and then they were like, I don't want this fucking show anymore. What happened? That's the murder porn channel. And uh, <laughs> they uh, love writing shows and, and movies about. Some dude uh, stalking a chick and uh, killing her. But it doesn't uh, matter if there's a stigma or stereotype with the network. It's a good show. It's actually a good show. It's really Um, well written. And uh, the dialogue's there. The narrative's there. Uh, But I feel like that's part of the allure of the fiction is like, what's going to fucking happen? with this? Because now we don't see that a lot. You don't see the perspective of the pursuer, right? You're You're always in the shoes of the girl woman or man if it's if a man is pursued i guess um you're always i guess the point is you're always in the shoes of the person yeah, being pursued not the person fatal attraction and this is why you know we have a whole show on uh the golden era of television we're starting to see a lot more anti-heroes we're or because you in a way you're like your heart kind of goes out to him like this is love on a on a on a crazy level like he's killing well, people for this girl <laughs> well it's it, you know good villains are always ones you, you can sympathize with so yeah oh yeah absolutely uh, he's definitely a villain in a way yeah absolutely. so like not saying that you, you empathize with like killing somebody but no no like yeah, uh, we're not, we're not definitely there definitely had no like a, a messed up life we'll just yeah. put it that way i'm still yeah we're still in the first season so don't don't yeah i've already i've me. watched it all it's uh, Ooh, you've already you've already gone through it, my man. Yeah, I'm we haven't talked about it before then until the gym because yeah, it's it, I think it's OK. It's like one of those. I'm, yeah, I, it's I've okay. already seen it. I, I have to I have to like I'm invested now. Well, I like I like the inner monologue stuff. I like that. He'll say something, but there's a lot of social commentary about 
how people are obsessed with their phones. And you know, I like shitting on that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah. What's your gym, my man? Let's hear my gym, my gym. Well, I've been binging a lot of TV lately. Um, when I've had time, um, but I won't get into the the one I've been binging binging the most lately because it's pretty popular. Um, which is well, if that's what the gyms are for. I I kind of am curious yeah, now. But I, I you can well, have succession. Two gyms. I, I will say succession. If you oh, I love seen it succession. Already. Actually, that was going to be my second gym for a minute. Yeah, I I'm on season three. I love succession because as as a team of writers and artists ourselves, uh, talk about dialogue. The best oh, insult God. dialogue on the planet. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 definitely something. Um, Wait, that, I, is I, that the one you you didn't want to tell us? No, the one I was going to say is Lucy Dacus. Oh, I I don't know what I that sent is. you. What is that? I sent you one of her songs. Oh, I, oh, I, the music. Hitting, yes. Yeah. Okay. Hit, folks, you you had to wait till the end of the episode, but yes. I oh, you, are we playing the game? How many times he hits it? I've hit my boom like multiple times mic? here i'm actually holding it oh, so, your boob I stand. so i don't uh my mic stand so i don't hit it again uh yeah no i she's been around for a while now um but young uh singer songwriter um just love her stuff so far um very uh eclectic and um interesting that um probably her most famous song is the one i sent you mm-hmm. it's from a few years ago it's called night shift um but talk about a song that builds up to a crescendo and just kind of explodes um yeah just with kind of emotion and stuff um that's what i like to hear and what i like in new musicians that they're not holding on to the formula they're doing their own thing so amen all right very another thoughtful gym by mr buck uh we appreciate you guys so much if you like that of course you can check out our stuff at underscore novo underscore day and day is de and at novo day media there you can find a lot of our other products like adulteration and post meridium we appreciate it if you could like subscribe follow do all the things hit the notification bell and don't forget to rate and review we appreciate you you can also donate if you have a minute we appreciate that as well we appreciate the love and until Until next time, be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.